I'm going to ask you to turn back to John, John 15 this morning. We were going to do, I had a passage, uh, my next message ready on worship. But honestly, as I was quickly getting things together this morning, these messages on worship, I really feel are most effective when, not that we don't have a live audience this morning, but that when we have an in-house audience this morning and we're all together reflecting on how to, to worship corporately together as a family, I do feel there's a little bit of something lost when I try to preach on worship when we're not all together in-house. So I've quickly shifted gears here, and we're going to go back to our study in John. I'll be more of a short study this morning, John 15, the first eight verses. If we are able to meet together tonight, we will focus on worship again. We're going to get more into the practicalities of worship, specifically what we can do as we worship together in the different aspects on preparation and singing and prayer and listening to the preaching and all of these things. If we're not able to meet together tonight, we'll be back in the Gospel of John again for another study. And so either way, we're learning much from God's Word, and I hope it's a blessing to you this morning and a help. John 15, Jesus is in the midst of encouraging very troubled men, his disciples, as he has recently said that he will not be with them for much longer. The news about his immediate future and his departure from them have disturbed all of them. And other things have taken place as well that have left them unsettled. So Jesus has been describing the role of the paraclete, the spirit of truth, as he describes the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is meant to be a comfort to these men to know that they will not be left alone when uh, Jesus has to go in his presence away from them. But Jesus is also reminded of them that he will return and he will still have personal ministry to do with his physical presence with them. And of course, we know that will involve his resurrection and his post-resurrection appearances to them. They don't really know that yet, but he will appear to them as well. In the midst of all this, he takes time to unpack a phrase, to give further details of a phrase that he has already mentioned to them in John 14. Just look at that just briefly, John 14, 20. And Jesus says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father. Now, he's already said that, and that really is one of the strongest claims to deity in description of the Trinity that Jesus has made so far, and it is remarkable in what it claims. And for the disciples, certainly, they were still struggling with what this means. They knew that he was, they believed he was the Messiah, and they had an idea in a sense that he was the son of God and that he had a unique relationship with God. But the full idea that he was God was still a struggle for them. And yet here he says, I am in my father, the indwelling, the court, the, the mutual indwelling of the father and the son there. And then you can also include, as he talks about the spirit, 
the indwelling of the spirit as well. But in the midst of describing that relationship, then he says, and you and me and I and you, and he really doesn't go a lot further at that point of describing it. Well, now at the beginning of chapter 15, he will do so. And he will do it in terms of describing a vine and abiding in the vine. And this will further explain that concept of how that we can be in Jesus and he can be in us. And he will say, abide in me and I in you. We're going to see the truth as Jesus describes himself as the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. Let's read 15 verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Father, give us understanding today. Lord, as we see this beautiful picture of Jesus as the vine, a very well-known picture to um, the Jewish audience, a very well-known picture in the Old Testament, and a common picture in an agricultural sense, as Jesus speaks to an audience of many that understand vine dressing and keeping of a vineyard. Lord, what this ultimately will mean for us is showing us our need for dependence upon Jesus, that in everything we do, even in this time of worship together, we have to be dependent upon Jesus to be able to do it well. We have to be dependent upon him to serve and to minister effectively. So, Father, remind us of that, of our need for dependence our need to abide in the vine, even as we look at these glorious truths this morning. And this we ask in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Jesus is the true vine. And really, in these first four verses of chapter 15, he's pointing out we must depend upon God to be fruitful. If we are serving or trying to minister to God without asking him for his help, without seeking God's power in our lives, then we are on a fruitless task and we won't be effective for God because we're not relying on his strength. Jesus reminds us that he is the vine. Again, verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now, even in this verse, this concept would have been very familiar to the Jewish people because you'd find it many times in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus, or Israel, was referred to in the Old Testament a number of times as a vine, but unfortunately as a vine that did not fulfill its potential for God. God, as the vine dresser, and his expectations, they did not fulfill those expectations. Let's just look really quick at some of the Old Testament evidence to this idea of Israel as the vine. Turn with me to Psalm 80, verses uh, 14 through 18. Actually, the description comes before um, 
verse 14. But we're just going to look at verses 14 through 18. And the psalmist has been describing how Israel, as God did his miraculous works and formed Israel as a people, that they were a vine that was supposed to show the source of life to the world. But they failed in that. And in verse 14, the psalmist is asking the Lord for forgiveness for their failure. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, that's Israel, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. Maybe even a fulfillment here that Jesus is referring to, ultimate fulfillment here in the Psalms. But notice, this is God as the vine dresser, and that's the same way he's described by Jesus in verse 15.1. Let's go back to verse 16. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Here we have a picture of focus on the son of man, a vine that will one day come and do what this vine, Israel, could not. You don't have to turn here. Jeremiah 2.21, again, focuses on the failure of Israel to be the vine they were supposed to be. It says, yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? God says, I, the vine dresser, planted you with the purpose of you being fruitful, and you didn't fulfill your purpose. And then back in Psalm 80, the psalmist laments their lack of being able to fulfill the purpose and points to, ask the Lord to reinstate them as the vine, and points to a one that would come, that would be the perfect vine, that would be able to be fruitful and to provide fruit, and thus honor and worship God. And Jesus now is the fulfillment of that. Israel failed. We fail. Jesus will never fail as the true vine. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. God is the vine dresser in the Old Testament. He's the farmer. He's the one in control. And Jesus points it out here that the father is still doing the work and he is submitting to that work. Jesus was always meant in God's divine cosmic plan to be that true vine that Israel never could be. And there's ramifications now. As Jesus is able to be successful as the vine, there's ramifications here and expectations for his followers. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. See here the vine dresser, the father prepares us for fruitfulness. And first of all, he gives in verse two, a sobering description. As he continues in this illustration of those who are not true followers of Jesus Christ. A sobering description, terrible ramifications for those. And that is that every branch in me that does not bear fruit 
that will be taken away. It will be cleaned. It will be removed from the vine. Now, we have to be careful here with this illustration. It's not meant to be so literal that it's describing here. Don't misunderstand. It's not describing followers that were once living branches, but now have somehow lost that life and that status. They've lost their salvation, so to speak. That is not what this is describing. We have to take this in in a more simplistic sense, that Jesus is describing simply here the consequences of those who claim to be followers, of so-called followers, who never bear any fruit. Jesus is saying those that follow after him but don't bear any fruit are not true disciples at all. And there are very sobering consequences for those folks. The fact that they don't have any fruit at all proves that they're not true followers of Jesus at all. And they have a very recent example of that, don't they? Judas the betrayer, who was for all intents and purposes, who seemed to be a follower of Christ, and yet in the end, he leaves Jesus to betray him and shows that he will one day be removed from the vine very soon because he was not a true branch. He was not abiding in the vine. And so these folks will prove in a sobering way that they were not followers. And it says here that the Lord will take it away, the idea of being cast away and already hinting at a very terrible consequence for those who are not true followers that the Father has to cast away. He's going to get into more detail on that soon. But for those on the positive side of this that are true followers, God is going to prune them. They're going to be, in a sense, clean. And he says in verse 3, you are already clean, but you're going to be made able to be even more fruitful. A common, a very common illustration here that any farmer or anybody that's worked with plants or or bushes or, or trees or whatever that has had to prune a plant can understand. That sometimes, that many times in our lives, things have to be stripped away. The father has to do some cutting. He has to do some, maybe some extreme removal in our lives to be pruned. But ultimately, even though it's uncomfortable, and even though it may be painful at times for us, it will produce good benefits. It will produce fruit. It'll make us more fruitful. And so the follower of Jesus Christ should not shrink back from this pruning. It's necessary for God to do this work in their lives. Jesus says further, as we have mentioned here in verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Do you remember in John 13, 10, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus has already said this. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And now with Judas gone, he can assuredly point to the rest of the group. And he can say in verse 3, already you are clean. And how are they clean? Because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now this has connections all the way back to the beginning of the gospel. 
the beginning of John, where Jesus is described as the word, the word that will purify, that will cleanse. And Jesus says, my teachings are meant here to clean. This, This probably points back to the picture of pruning, that Jesus is doing, he's preparing them for greater service. And he said, I've I've prepared you in the past. I'm continuing to prepare you. You are being cleaned. You are clean even now through my teaching that I have spoken to you. He is preparing them for greater fruitfulness beyond their comprehension that will be happening sooner than they think. And we've seen this theme before. I think also, though, that Jesus is also pointing to the fact that very soon his death will provide effectual cleansing from their sin. And they will be able to abide in him through the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that they can't even imagine. And that's why he says in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. See, the Father prepares us for fruitfulness as we depend upon him. And the word, Jesus, purifies us for fruitfulness so that we can abide in him. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, this may sound kind of odd for Jesus to call us to remain in him, asking the branches, the shoots off of the vine to remain in the vine. And you don't normally, I don't normally say that to a branch. And yet the picture here is one that we must understand. And that is Jesus in calling us to abide in him is calling us to continue our trust, our faith, and dependence in him. And this further explains then, in a beautiful way, what Jesus meant when he said, you and me, and I and you. Folks, practically, as Jesus calls us to abide in him, let's just think through this. How often we still, even those of us that have been saved for many years, struggle with on a daily basis to depend, have our trust in Jesus Christ. The little things that come up, the troubling difficulties, the great struggles that we have, all of these things are so many times where we try to do it ourselves and we realize maybe an hour into our day, maybe halfway through our day that we have been trying to serve God, trying to live life without dependence on our vine, without trusting and faith in the true vine. We still struggle with this. We know, many of us know these truths. This passage is not foreign to you. I'm sure most of you. And yet we constantly need reminders. Even now, even as we're hearing the word preached, As we're thinking on these things, we need God's help to not be distracted, to focus on his word, to worship him in a right way. Folks, at all times, we truly do have to abide in Jesus by depending upon him, by trusting in him. And then when we're abiding in him, he can make us fruitful. We can't be fruitful independently of the vine. We have to be abiding in him. The picture here is very simple, but so often we forget. The end of verse four again. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We all know the picture of pruning and severing a, a, a branch from a plant that we're working with, a bush, a tree, a vine, whatever, and that branch quickly fades away. We see that picture in the autumn leaves, as beautiful as they are in their, uh, in their colors. It's also a sign that they're dying. They're going to be detached soon from the tree, and they're going to wither away and fade into dust because you can't have life apart from the vine. And we have to be in Jesus and depending upon him in order to bear fruit. So are you doing that this morning? Or as you serve him, as the Lord makes it apparent, opportunities throughout this week, throughout the past few weeks, maybe the past month, have you taken time to ask Jesus, Lord, I need you. You're my vine. I'm dependent on you. I abide in you. Without you, I can do nothing. I want to be fruitful. I need your help. I Obviously, Lord, you've given me the opportunity to um, strike up a conversation with this individual, to share the gospel with them. Lord, help me. I can't do this. I can't be fruitful without your help. Lord, I'm going to serve today, clean the church, or do some different things in service to others, and I don't have the right attitude. I can't have the right attitude unless, Jesus, I'm abiding in you. Help me to have the right attitude, to be thinking the right things, to give me a spirit of love for you and excellence as I serve you faithfully. You could apply this, obviously, hundreds of times to the things that we do on a regular basis. Are we depending upon the vine? Because we can't do it without him. I remember um, a picture of this in our own lives. I had not had much experience in pruning before we moved to Maryland. And as we moved into Maryland, there was a lot of uh, men on the buildings and grounds uh, committee that were doing a lot of things to the house and trying to get it ready. And they were continuing to prepare things as we moved into the parsonage there on the church property. One man in particular named Don Schott, um, he's with the Lord now, but he was doing his part to really continue to prepare things for us. And remember him just deciding after we moved in to uh, make part of the garage a food pantry for us. And I found out because one day I walked into our garage and there he was uh, building it and putting the shelves in. Oh, Don, what you doing? Well, I thought you guys needed a food pantry. Oh, okay. I guess we need a food pantry. I didn't tell him later that I ended up using it for tools and garage things, but it's okay. Another thing that he did was um, he put, he um, planted two, hydrangea bushes out front of our door and uh, they produced pretty quickly they grew actually I think it took them at least a year or so for flowers to to bud and they were an interesting unique version of hydrangea but I began to learn that they weren't going to produce regularly unless I pruned them and I'd never done that before. So I was very careful. I, it was, they were both large bushes. They got to the point where they were large and I didn't know how much to take off or prune. So I was very careful. And even some of the branches that looked dead, I'm like, well, it kind of makes it look more fuller if I leave them. And so I, I, pruned and cut as many. And I looked online to see, oh, you're supposed to, you're supposed to cut it with the sharp shears and just at the right angle and all of this. And I tried to do the best that I could. 
reduced its size. And the next year was pleasantly surprised that, that we received buds and that it was growing. And then I, I realized that Don told me that we really needed to do that every year and that it would produce more fruit if I cut it shorter. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. If I cut it too short, I don't want to kill the bush. I mean, put all that time planning it. And, but finally, after a number of years, I began, as I, as I interacted with it, realized, yes, the shorter that I cut down the bush, it really was amazing. It would grow larger than it had before. And it would continue. The largest that it would get was reflected in, in how short that I had cut and removed many of the dead branches. And it was amazing, this hydrangea bush, how quickly. It was, it was kind of fun for me and the boys to look out and see the little buds on, on the different branches. And I realized, guys, pretty soon that's going to be another branch that's going to stem up. And uh, there's going to be flowers on the end of that. And it produced flowers so quickly but it had to be cut down. It had to be pruned to size, even though it seemed dramatic many times. It allowed for that bush, those bushes to have dramatic growth. Folks, let God do his pruning work in your life. We may not always enjoy it. It may seem dramatic. We may look at some of the things that God is doing in our lives and say, oh, Lord, that that hurts. Oh, I don't want to lose that. Do I have to give that up? Do I have to lose that? Do I have to um, uh, take my family into this new situation? Lord, it seems like in my life that I'm losing everything. Is this really necessary? And Jesus says, yes. And the father who is the vine dresser says, yes, just trust me depend upon me. I know what I'm doing. I know the work. I know the fruitfulness that will come when I do these things. And isn't it true as you look back, some of the greatest difficulties that you've gone through, you look back and you see your lives today and say, wow, the Lord provided amazing fruit. I I had no idea. I could never have imagined going through that really hard thing, that pruning that God would provide this much fruit. Amazing. That's why Jesus says, abide in me. Trust me. But the vine dresser knows what he's doing. Do we trust our heavenly vine dresser, our heavenly um, uh, vine keeper, as he prunes our lives? Well, the second part here quickly in verses 5 through 8 is that we must rely on Jesus to be spiritually productive, to continue to be spiritually productive. And he will enable our continued fruitfulness. Verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Again, this reminder, our dependence and faith in him will provide fruit. Sometimes we lose faith in that. Don't lose faith. Abide in the vine. Trust in him. And those that are followers, folks, this is of a truth. Those that are followers will continue to have faith. And God will continue to make them fruitful. If you are listening today and you're a true follower, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will bear fruit. You will remain faithful. Jesus will keep you. But there is a message again for those that are not true followers, who are insincere in their claims of faith 
and service of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. A very vivid, sobering picture that we all understand in the pruning process. And even in the autumn, as we're raking the leaves and getting all the, the um, downed twigs and, and sticks and, try, and, and then throwing them on the burn pile to be eliminated. What a sobering, disturbing picture of those that have claimed to be followers of Jesus and yet do not have a heart for him at all. They show in their lives that they don't have any fruit and they are facing eternal punishment. And that picture of fire is eternal fire. They're going to be removed. They'll be cast away. Jesus, of course, is soberly referring to the eternal fire of hell. Folks, we need to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ and call folks to um, trust him, to let them him be their vine so that they can avoid this disastrous, awful consequence of rejecting him. But at the same time, it is sobering to think that there are folks, and maybe some even in our own church, but many churches, some leaders in churches all over the country today that are acting like branches, and actually they are not branches at all. They, they will wither away. They're not fruitful, and they face this consequence as well. Sobering, disastrous, and Jesus calls those that are play acting, that are acting the part to say, you are not a true branch. Stop acting the part. Trust me. Become a true branch, and I will make you fruitful. Put your faith and dependence in me, and I will do the work. And then he says again in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is Jesus calling upon us as believers to continue to depend upon him. specifically through prayer. If you are one of my disciples, if you truly abide in me, if you're depending on me, then you can talk with me, ask me for help, and I, it will be done for you. It's as good as done, Jesus says, when you trust and depend upon me, whatever you ask. And folks, again, here's a a well-known truth, but one that we need to remember. Those True followers who trust in Jesus Christ will continue to depend upon God for help and will ask and pray for that help. And then, isn't this amazing? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to me, my disciples. Now we're back to this theme on worship. When we ask Jesus for help, when we depend upon him, to serve him, to be fruitful. Jesus says, it's as good as done. And your fruitful service then is worship, true worship to my heavenly father. It will glorify him. It will honor him. Yes, we do worship the Lord in the service, but folks, we worship him with our lives. Don't forget that. We worship him in the daily aspects of our lives, and we need to pray, ask Jesus, just like he says here. He says, I will answer your prayer but you have to depend upon me and ask for it. Ask for my help, and I will 
make you fruitful on a daily basis in your personal lives and you your lives will glorify and honor the Father and you will bear much fruit and in bearing that fruit, everyone around you will know you're my disciples. We literally worship God through our faith, dependence, and obedience to Jesus' word. Jesus is going to continue as we look in, continue in the Gospel of John to unpack this and point out that our obedience as true believers is a part of abiding in him. But let's just stick with what we've seen this morning. Are you sp- seeing continued spiritual fruitfulness in your lives? Or are you in a situation where, Lord, from time to time I see fruit, <clears throat> but I'd like to see a whole lot more. I'd like to be more fruitful than I am now. Jesus gives us the formula then for how to do that. He says, continue to depend upon me. Ask to be fruitful. Depend, obey, trust me, and I will continue to make you more and more fruitful, just like that hydrangea bush that I was amazed the more that I cut it down, the more fruitful it became. So he will do that. Jesus says, my father will do the work when you abide in me, depend upon me. Or we need to go from here, remembering that Jesus is the true vine and depend upon him every moment of every day. That's hard. That means that we have to constantly keep this truth in front of us. And when we depend upon Jesus, we will see fruit and we will prove to those around us that we are true believers, that we really are followers of Christ. And the most important thing is our lives will continue to further glorify our Heavenly Father, and we will be true examples of right worship to him. Lord, thank you for this truth of Jesus and the true, as the true vine. Let it continue to um, permeate our hearts. Help us to remember this so that we go forward, even this week, independence on you on a regular basis lord lord to make it through this week to be able to worship god in the right way with our lives to be obedient help us to ask you regularly for that and consistently and do that great work in our lives we look forward to what you're going to do in our lives and in the ministry of this church as we remain dependent in the vine for this we ask in jesus name amen